less stress, more time, more money. Welcome to the Cash Flow Contractor. Martin, I, I just wanted to uh, just let you know how great my coffee tastes this morning and how energized yeah. I feel. Well, what we used to say in, back in the 70s when I was in college, we said, bite me. Bite me. <laughs> I don't know if anybody says that anymore. How, how is the no caffeine going for you? Well, I don't know. I feel like I've got uh, dengue fever, <laughs> yeah. um, but I don't know if it's coffee or not, but I'm doing no caffeine. We'll see how that works. You know, my, my wife, Powell, uh, is breastfeeding. We have an 11 week old at home and uh, she has had some, you know, digestion issues. I think it's pretty common for babies, but Powell's trying anything and everything. And so she's tried dropping caffeine for like three days and she was like depressed and just couldn't, she, she got sick. She was just really? over it, and so now she's back on caffeine. Well, I may be, but... Uh, yeah, you're only two days in, right? Yeah, I'm only two days in, so I don't know. I don't know. But I, you know, prior to this, I've tried to keep my coffee consumption down to fewer than 15 cups a day. <laughs> That's And hard, I've been man. pretty good at it. Sometimes I go over. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe this is like major. Yeah. I'm drinking coffee out of a flower-covered cup. You look great with it. The it really flower matches. goes with my blue blazer. It's a great accent to it. Yeah. So. And uh, so I'm drinking coffee, but it's decaffeinated Decaf. coffee. Yeah. You know how they decaffeinate coffee? They burn the crap out of it? What no, do they do? they use cyanide. Seriously. Oh, wow. I don't know the exact process, but they wash it with cyanide. It takes the, at least they used to. They probably have. They probably have a refined probably process. Probably have an app that does it now. Yeah, but, no, I'm sure. So maybe it's the cyanide. Maybe so. Maybe so. Um, well, I wanted to talk about some of the challenges. You know, we've, we last episode, we did a little bit of a different format. We're continuing that, but um, what are some of the challenges that you had with clients this week? Just things that you're hearing from contractors? Well, a lot of the regular stuff, uh, <laughs> but one, one interesting one this week was uh, tracking numbers and KPIs so that you can keep track of. What's a KPI, Martin? That would be a key performance <laughs> indicator. It's a TLA. A three-letter acronym. A three-letter acronym that stands for Key Performance Indicator. And it's something, the book Good to Great by Richard Collins. Jim Collins. Collins. Come on, man. Yeah, Richard Collins is somebody else. Anyway, um, he talks about five things that really separated companies. It's a really good book if you haven't read it. But one of them was what he calls uh, key denominators, Mm. something per something. In other words, a ratio that you could measure that was clear that carried with it if it were moving the right direction, either up if it's a good thing or down if it's a bad thing, that would have tremendous impact throughout the company. And everybody could understand it, everybody could look at it, and everybody could affect it. Yeah. Uh, Everybody knew that what they did had some impact on that. So that came up this week. I had a client in who really pays attention. Matter of fact, I, I hate to say too much, too much attention to detail. Too, mu- too much information, TMI. Yeah. Um, because I, I, that usually what I see is not enough information. Yeah. But you can have too much information, which dilutes the effect of looking at a number. You know, well, we've got this, and we got this, and we got this, and and you're tracking all these things. And I like to track all those things. But in his case, we were talking about. He he actually came to me and and said, "Are these all useful?" And I said, "What?" A Perfect question. Yeah. Are these useful? 
at times all the information. I'll give you an example, gross profit margin. Everybody knows me well enough to know that that's one of the most important things. I always want to know that. But he had, what he does takes a long time. And the like the profit, job, it takes a long time to install. Yeah, it's a long the It's not like a two-day job. It's yeah, like a, it's, a, it's a long cycle. Yeah. Uh, you know, almost three-quarters of a year, maybe. Yeah. From sale to collecting. So that gross profit margin is hard to track as you go along. Yeah. And it's meaningful, but it's hard to track. There are all kinds of other things. Uh, a really interesting number is dollars of sales per labor dollar. So when you mm. spend a dollar for a labor. person, how many how sales. many sales do you have per person, or how much gross profit per person? Yeah. Those are really interesting numbers, and you can use them to analyze: Do I have the right number of people, and yeah. and am I wasting money? But again, those when you have a, a massive, I think you had twenty eight of them, uh, and percent a certain kind of input to his project as a percentage of sale, just all kinds mm -hmm. of stuff. And it was confusing. Um, it even confused me, not, not that I didn't understand the numbers, but how are we using them? Yeah. Because that's, that's the important thing about a KPI, is it, it shows you something to do, and then it shows you in the future how well you did. Mm -hmm. And so we came up with a, uh, a measure over time, I, I don't want to describe what the business is because I just don't have permission. No, but, you're fine. But we want something to take a certain amount of time. Yeah. And if it does that, it unleashes all kinds of things. Money turns faster. Your capacity with your people and everything that you do mm -hmm. is faster. Your utilization of tools and everything, it just compounds when you can do things yeah. faster. And so we started concentrating on that, and we took his process and decided, divided it into, <clears throat> excuse me, into six stages. Mm -hmm. And there's a definite ending point at each stage, like frame assembly built. That's not what it is, but is it built or is it not? Right. And it's supposed to be built in 20 days. So yeah. there's a start date, and that's defined when you get a contract released. And then you have these stages that we go through, and we're just Milestones. measuring those stages. Yeah. And so. It's supposed to be 20 days for the frame assembly, and it's 26. Mm. Okay, well, it's objective, that's clear, that's indisputable, it's 26. What it enables you to do is say, why was it 26? It might be the supply chain issues that we've got, and you can't do anything about it, but you know. You begin to learn your business better, better, better by an objective KPI, which is days to each stage. You can make them up in our process. So yeah. if you're late on the first one and you do better on the second one, so it's cumulative. But we have a, a definite period that we want the complete sales cycle to be. And and then we're tracking that. Uh, he's bonusing off of that. Mm, how um, is he doing that? Um, but with that, I don't actually even know. It's a new enough client. I don't even know what his exact formula is. Okay. But they bonus off of hitting those those stages. Okay. They also can get paid by their client. Those are payday stages. Mm. So, I mean, just all these massive things happen if you hit the days. Right. So we track that, and and I want. I don't think it's that way yet, but it's my intention that everybody in that company knows the days of everything. Mm -hmm. Whoa, we're coming up on 19 days. Where are we? Maybe some overtime. You know, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Quit doing that thing. That's a lower priority and come do this, we have to hit the days. 
and just so that, many things. That singular focus is so important. Yeah. And it, I mean, people talk about it in, in anything. Like there's the book, The One Thing. Um, that, yeah, it's exactly. It, I mean, just having that one thing that you can go into work and focus on. I think it's the longest tenured CEO in Silicon Valley. The, at the end of the day, he writes down five things that he needs to do the next day. Mm-hmm. And then before he leaves the office, he crosses four things off the list. And he only does one thing the next right. day. And it's just a ability to focus on one thing is so powerful and it's very difficult, especially as a business owner, as a construction owner, um, you're running to job to job. You've got, you know, seven different people you got to manage, maybe more, and you've got different clients you've got to worry about. And there's so many hats you're wearing to be able to focus is kind of unheard of, but being able to focus on that one number, even if you have all these different hats that you're worried about, if you're able to focus on that one number, it can make a huge impact. It can make your job feel very focused, and you're going to be able to communicate to your team better. They're going to know what you care about well, really it's, easily. It's, it's clarity. Yeah, it's clarity. You don't have to remember 600 different things. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think, you know, you, you said that he had all these different KPIs and yeah. that he didn't, he was like, do these matter? Do I need? Well, he like, said, are they useful? Are they of useful? Of course they, you know, everything you do, your sales, your profit, your payroll, those are all KPIs. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything... Your inventory, I mean, the normal things are KPIs. Yeah. But it's what kind of encapsulates everything. Yeah. And What's the most meaningful KPI? Meaningful. Significant. Clear. And importantly, something that people recognize they can do something about. Yeah. If you, and we're going to talk about that, I think we are, about bonuses and things. When you, if you say my KPI is net profit at the end <laughs> of the year, okay, which that's certainly a KPI. Yeah, it's KPI. an important number. And you tell your people, uh, some office people pretty familiar with books and finance, some marketing people that you get all the way down to guys who are really good at, at welding but mm-hmm. really aren't, don't know anything about that. And you tell them, well, I'm going to bonus you on profit. Yeah. And they're going, okay. So a guy's welding out there, and you know he, his ability to weld and not make errors and and not and show up and things like that all affect profit but he's kind of out there going eh, you know i don't see the direct connection between what i'd maybe intellectually they do but emotionally they really kind of don't see it mm-hmm. and then here comes the boss driving a new truck and in reality the boss bought that out of his personal funds that were left to him by his grandfather last week doesn't matter sure but the guy goes man there goes my profit because mm-hmm. he doesn't. <clears throat> so it's too need, abstract. Yeah, it, the big it can be abstract. They don't understand necessarily what's going on. And that's not an insult to anybody because most business owners, we talk about it all the time, don't mm-hmm. really understand what's going on. Yeah. Uh, not to any great business owners either because they're really good at things. But yeah. these subtle things, they, they kind of don't get the connection. I don't know if you, um, well, I'll say something in a second, but on the KPIs, being too many of them, it's really common in marketing. Uh, we talk about huh. all the metrics there are, and we call them vanity metrics. We're like, yeah, it matters what your, you know, how many pressions you get, or you know, uh, cost per click. Like those things matter, but they're not the most meaningful. And a lot of times, people hide behind those as marketers. They tell you, yeah, your stuff's doing great. You've got, you know, a hundred thousand impressions on this post, but the reality is. That while that might be a meaningful number, well, my it's first not the most is, meaningful number. What's an impression? <laughs> I mean, I think people know a lot more than they did ten years ago. Yeah, but 
I'm not among them. Yeah. No, I, I know more, but what's a bounce, you know, and why do I care about all that? You know, my sales haven't gone. Up. Exactly. There's a, they matter for the people that are doing the job. But at the end of the day, what is the business impact of that number? You know, it's hard to say. And so you want to find in marketing, we try to find the, the metrics that actually impact the Drive business sales results. Or leads. Yeah. What is the customer acquisition cost? How long is our deal cycle? How long does it take from someone to become a lead? to become a, a sale, right. you know, all those, those are the things that actually matter because they drive business results. And so ultimately those are the KPIs you want to track. I'm talking about marketing, but it's similar for this. Well, even, I mean, just going back to Collins and not disputing at all what you're saying, Collins says find one. One, yeah. Find one. Mm -hmm. and, and focus on it. Yeah, that's super powerful. You know, and, and now I'll, I'll mention my point. Did you see the Tom Brady? Thing that came out on ESPN Plus? I did not. I, uh, I heard he was mad about something. Really? I didn't know. But oh, man, well, I think he's mad about whoever they played last week. Oh, no, no. They, there's a new... You watched The Last Dance, right? With Michael Jordan? The no, Netflix? No. Oh, my gosh, Martin. We you got to go... this part out. I don't want people to know I haven't seen it. <laughs> Evidently, it's pretty good. You got to go watch The Last Dance on Netflix. Anybody does. Uh, I know that you really like lived through that Michael Jordan stuff. Uh, and I did, too. But you were much more aware, probably, than me. But it's it's behind the scenes, never seen, never seen footage, uh, all that kind of stuff, and it just it's really good. Talking about the Bulls, I have a uh, friend, still is a friend, uh, who's a weightlifting strength and conditioning coach. Yeah, and he was at LSU, and he lives in Birmingham now, and he's had as his clients over the years Shaquille O'Neal, Deion Sanders, and Michael Jordan. Wow, uh, all when they were Shaquille O'Neal when he was at LSU, he was a strength and conditioning. And then Deion Sanders and Michael Jordan when they went to play. Oh, and Bo Jackson. Bo freaking Jackson. I mean, we're talking. Everybody. When they went to go play baseball? Yeah, when they wanted to play baseball. And he develops. Well, it doesn't matter. He's, he's a magnificent guy. But he said they are talented overachievers. Yeah, their, their work ethic is what yeah, separates he's, them. He's, and you couple that with talent. Yeah. But, yeah, Fernando Valenzuela, you remember him? Yeah. Uh, 290 pound pitcher mm -hmm. and I just remember Terry's my friend's name him telling me about at that time I don't that's a long time ago but anyway he goes you don't think if that guy with his talent would put in a little work he wouldn't be massively better I mean that was yeah. his example yeah a lot of people who have that really good talent and can get by but you couple it so anyway that was that was his Jordan and yeah. all of those guys talented overachievers well, anyways, The Last Dance, you should go watch it. Okay. Great docu docu-series. They're doing one on Tom Brady now, and it's on ESPN. Uh, it's called Man in the Arena, and they just had the first episode released this week, and I watched it, and it actually led me to watch a, a couple other Tom Brady, Bill Belichick uh, videos. So so many things. I might even reference it in a little bit when we talk about training and development, but um, Tom Brady said that Bill Belichick was so good at taking something that was complex and making it simple for everybody to understand what their job was. And then he could just say, do your job and just made it really simple. Oh. And he said, that's what made Bill Belichick such a great coach is that we it's were running a very complicated defense, but he could boil it down to one or two yeah. points that he could just say, do, do your this. job, do it, you know, inside the game. Yeah. Um, I had a conversation with, client yesterday and he brought up Nietzsche and he said people it's a quote from Nietzsche he said people muddy the waters to make them appear deep mm. now that's 
built a complicated defense, they didn't make it complicated to make it appear deep. But people do that a lot. Want to sound important? Yeah. And genius is exactly the opposite. Absolutely. Yeah. That's yeah. They try to sound important, so they make it complex. Yeah. And, use big words. Yeah. Man, misleading. that's really good. Well, um, you know, talking about this, these KPIs. You mentioned bonus program. I think that's something that we're kind of seeing in the industry for construction is that it's difficult to hire and it's difficult to keep employees right now because, I mean, I don't think we're doing it as much, but we're competing with the government there for a little bit with all of We're still competing with some. I have to tell you a stat. Yeah. You said this last week, I think, but go ahead. Did I about the the decline in? Yeah, you said you shared that last week. Yeah. You can say it again. I won't won't rob you of that, Martin. (laughs) Well, do you think we have people who listen to both? <laughs> I think we have to say everything again. Yeah. No, in well, Oklahoma we City, be- there are 611,000 uh, people employed. And in the last quarter, they added 97,000 people and 117,000 people left the workforce. Yeah. So they added 90 and subtracted 117 so in the last quarter. Net negative. Net negative. What is going on? Well, they're calling it like you can read articles on the great resignation, oh, you yeah. know, and I, I think it's a it's not the long term thing, but I think there's a lot of changes happening with hiring and especially in construction, because there's while there's a lack of employees out there for that are I mean, so many of our mutual clients and separate clients have hiring issues that there's not a lack of work. Uh, there is a, there are a lot of depending you know if you're really industrial maybe there's not as much work going on right now that's picking up a little bit but your commercial your residential there is work to be had as a construction company uh, and a lot of people are having to turn work away uh, pool builders are a good example of that they're turning work away mm-hmm. because there's too much demand out there and they can't keep they don't have the talent to do it right and so with these hiring challenges. I think that this is only going to continue to be an issue for the next decade, at least, because you're not just competing with other construction companies. You're competing with the companies that are hiring and paying people to work from home and paying people outrageous wages to work from home mm-hmm. because there's, there, those are the jobs that people are seeking. Oh, I get to be with my family. Oh, I can travel. Uh, and obviously not a lot of blue collar people seek out those jobs or maybe you're qualified for those jobs in some cases. But the talent that's coming up is going in that direction rather than to the blue collar jobs. Um, and I think what that means is, one, construction prices are only going to continue to increase. People are seeing that. They're going to continue to go up because labor is going to go up in the construction industry. But also, you're going to find that people don't just want the income with it. They want some of the benefits that also go with it. And some of the construction companies aren't going to necessarily pay the wages, but they'll have to have something like a bonus program and other incentives to be able to do this. Uh, they're also going to have to be willing to train people that aren't qualified. You're, they're going to be taking talent that's coming right out of high school and could absolutely go get a college degree, but they don't want to go in debt for the student loans and they want to go to work. And you're going to have to train those types of people that are talented, but they don't have any experience. And so companies are going to have to, one, offer bonus programs, which we can talk about, but also they're going to have to develop people, in my opinion, uh, to be able to go and work for their company and give them that experience. We've talked about this before, but there's really only three ways to get experience. One, you can pay for someone else's experience and learn from them. Two, 
you can just go and do it yourself and get the experience. Or three, someone can pay you through a training program to give you the experience hands-on as well. But experience is only transferred, uh, and that's how you learn. So with talking about this, let's let's start with bonus program. If we're going to have better retention of employees, attract more talent, we're going to have to more have more incentives for them, we can create a bonus program. Let's talk about how you have talked about creating that bonus program. I think a break-even is what you had mentioned. Well, there are lots of different ways to do it. Let me recap something I say to my clients that is, I think, what you just said. There are good, capable people out there. Absolutely. And you must gather them and keep them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, even though we talk about hiring questions and things like that to try to improve the odds of getting a good one, what I'm finding is it's really hard to know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a 50-50 deal. And I have a lot of clients who had turnover. We think they're perfect, and they're just not. But when you do get one, you have to keep them. You can't forget the ones you've got. So uh, that that's the backbone of this yeah. uh, in, my, in my mind. And the thing about bonuses uh, or incentive programs, money incentive programs, are there's so much on them now. There, some people say don't do that and things like that. But I, th- there has to be a way for people to pr- participate in what they create, what they help create. The end result. And you can you can argue that their wage does that. And that's the old, I mean, that's what I'm paying you for, and that's what you did. <laughs> well, that that's true. I think that is true. It's fair enough. You hired them, you paid them, they did their work. You took the risk as the owner and made money or didn't make more money. You know, yeah. they, they'll participate in the upside, but are they going to give you money if you have losses? You know, that doesn't usually happen. Sure. But trying to find ways to do it, and I think that, one of the main precepts behind a bonus program is it. what I alluded to earlier, it has to attach to something that they do, mm-hmm. right? So uh, on the break-even thing, I think, number one, it is not a good idea to give a Christmas bonus because it's freaking Christmas, Yeah. okay? I mean, you can call it a gift or whatever you want, but if you ever have a year, what's that Chevy Chase movie where he's not gonna get it? Christmas know? Vacation. Yeah, they think they got it coming, well, I've got it coming. Why do you have it coming? Well, because it's Christmas. <laughs> Bad example. Yearly bonus, just because, right? That, it's got to be tied good. to something. And, not, and I also yeah. think longevity is a poor marker. If I've been here 10 years, I should get 10x bonus. Yeah. No, you know, it's how valuable you are to the company. That's, that's old school, but it's true. So one of the ways that I think, well, I know of a company that's doing this very successfully is that they know what their break-even is for a month. Mm-hmm. And when they hit, and you can do it per quarter, but they, they do it per month. When they hit break even, everybody knows it. And they know, and everybody knows that the work they're doing between now and the start of the next month, when break even starts over, they get 30% of the gross profit. Wow. So he's given his employees 30% of the gross profit after they hit break even. Now that implies that people are capable, and, and they are, if they're willing. I mean, People, anybody can understand, but willing to understand what break-even is mm-hmm. and to understand how they affect break-even mm-hmm. and not just assume that somebody's ripping them off if they didn't hit break-even that much. Well, it's not my fault the pallet fell off the truck. I said, well, you're right, but it fell off the truck, right? So we didn't hit break-even this month. Yep. And But that's the way it is. So how can you help, even though you're in a different division, 
make it where the pallet doesn't fall off the truck. Yeah. You know, have interest. And so I just, that, I think that's a really good, I've mentioned that to a couple of clients and they're just all over it too. That's perfect. Well, I think and this touches on a, another thing about bonus programs or just developing and keeping employees. There's so much more to that than just the bonus. If they understand what your break-even is as a company, they are more bought into what you do oh, yeah. as a company. Yeah. They feel like they have direct impact on their job, on their right. livelihood, on your company, on the customers, and they under, they have a greater understanding of what work means. It's not just, oh, I'm showing up to collect a paycheck. Right. It's, no, I'm, I've got a goal. Let's get and that break-even. And we're being a little Pollyanna in assuming that everybody wants to do that because I think there are people out there who really don't care because I've met them. <laughs> But those are the people that don't last. You want to find That's the people who do care. Yeah. And the way, you know, just so we know what we're talking about, how can somebody do that? In manufacturing, it's pretty simple because things are moving down the line and you can see what happens. But a paving contractor used to have was doing a, a pretty big parking lot in a town about 29 miles from here. Yeah. About. It was 29 miles from here. And the guys all came home at 5 on, a, on the ending day. And had to go back, you know, a lot of guys in trucks, and went back up the next morning to do about four hours worth of work. And so they, not only the inefficiencies of doing that, but they lost out on the next job that would contribute. If yeah. they understood break even, you know, they would have stayed for. Would it would have stayed, and the, and the the boss has to understand it too. So while I'm paying overtime, and I'm paying overtime for a few hours, but look what I'm losing. I'm losing a start on a job that's going to pay me. $200,000, right. you know, over the next three weeks. So it's subtle, but if they just start thinking like that, yep, uh, it, it's that's a big, how it can help everybody. It's a big deal, and it, it shows that you actually, you value them enough to include right. them in the overall success right. of the business. Uh, and, I, you know, 30% is quite a bit of the net profit, that's maybe. That's what this guy does. And, and But that's your decision. Don't be turned off well, by the number. Not you know? net profit. Gross profit uh, gross margin. Profit. After, you, after, you after you're making money. Yeah. You're keeping 70 and you're giving 30 away. Right. And that's pretty, I mean, that's a that's a dialed-in company there. Knows, right. That's what's going on. They know what's happening, and you have to be of a certain caliber to be able to do that, know your numbers, really. Yeah. But uh, you, you don't be turned away by the numbers, basically what I'm trying right. to say. If you have, don't have a bonus program in place, you're trying to think of ways to keep employees happy and retain them. There are there are, there things, are other ways to do it. There, You know, and it's easier to... to the guy I'm talking about, actually, it's not manufacturing, he's processing, but it's not a contractor out doing concrete. But I would ask people, listeners, does the foreman, whether that's a project manager or an actual foreman, and an actual foreman on the job, mm -hmm. or your lead guy who just goes and runs that crew, do they know what you plan for hours? Mm. Do they know? It's a great and question. I mean, that's another one. I've forgotten about that one, but I had a client a few years ago who had budgeted hours, and if they beat it, he gave half the spread to them. If they saved 100 hours, he gave 50 of them to the guys, and he took 50. Yeah. And anyway, there are things like that where, Yeah. and the big thing is the guys got to buy into it. You've got to be consistent. You've got to be steady. they got to understand. Yeah. It's got to work for them. I mean, you like to have a success right off where they get a bonus, yeah. maybe two or three months in a, in a row, and then they don't because mm -hmm. it didn't work. And then they come in, they're going, where's my bonus? Well, maybe you forgot how this worked. Yeah. I mean, there are those kind of conversations. Yeah. There's another, you know, I, I think 
for smaller companies, that can be a challenge to know all those numbers, to know your break-even monthly, and to be able to pay 30% above break-even to the employees as a bonus. I think another good one um, that we helped a subcontractor with is when you look at your team and you're trying to get things done and out the door and everything done correctly, really trying to include everybody as a team and setting different stages for your bonus program. So essentially this subcontractor, they've got to go sell the job, template the job, build the job in the shop, then go install the job, and then they've got to invoice the job. Well, there's all these different stages and different uh, team members at different stages are, are active, um, but it's really dependent upon the other. You don't want the template guy waiting on the sales guy. You don't want the guy that's building the job waiting on the template guy, so on and so forth. And so what they do is they set a goal for the week. Hey, we've got this, these jobs on the calendar this week. We want to get all of these done with no defects. We don't want to have to go back and re-template and you know, reinstall all that stuff. No defects. If we hit all of these with no defects and we get the invoice out before Friday on all these jobs, then we get uh, one, everybody gets a $100 bonus. Or you, know, right. you can change the number if you want there. What it does, it's only bring to light the accountability if there were defects, they were already happening, right? And now everybody understands they're, they're holding each other accountable. It's not just that responsible for their job. They're also responsible for the guy before them and the guy after them. They feel like, man, I got to get this out because I know the invoices have to get out. And so now they're going into the office talking to the bookkeeper. Hey, this one's ready to invoice. Go and send it, you know? And it, it just keeps everybody on the same page, creates a team atmosphere, and it gives them a goal other than just finish the job. They have something to look forward to. And everybody has that morale, like, hey, we're going to get no defects this week. I think we maybe we talked about it last week. Uh, our granite guy, Sergio, who's famous yeah. on this podcast. <laughs> but he had an $18,000 job that didn't get invoiced. And I asked him why. He said they didn't drill the hole for the – they did granite countertops if he didn't say that. Didn't drill the hole for the sinks. <laughs> and said, why not? And he said, well, they didn't have any electricity. So I'm a brilliant coach. I'm thinking, as soon as he quits talking, I'm going to tell him to get a generator. And he said, and so I said that, well, get a generator and put it on the trucks. Yeah. And he said, uh, we got a generator. I said, what happened? He said, we were out of gas. Oh, man. So, you know, something simple like that. But we identified it. It goes on the pre, pre-leaving checklist. In other words, you guys have to look at. So you learn as you go, you know. Yeah, man, that's so hard. Yeah, so, so hard. well, other things um, that you could bonus on, I mean, just ideas is everybody's out the door at seven o'clock. Yeah. I mean, those late starts, half hour a day, you yeah. know, five days a week, you got 20 guys working for you, mm-hmm. 100. I mean, just start adding it up. And it's not just the money, it's the jobs you don't get done. Yeah. So, I mean, that that's another one, um, just, um, the managing the hours, I mean, making the hours known for the guys. Yeah. There are things like that, and they, they clarify what you're after. The, the results ripple out from that, but they, mm-hmm. don't, they just have to think where the stone plops. They don't have to worry about all the ripples. They're going to come. Yeah. Jeff mentioned one, a good bonus structure, um, where they have their team meetings every week, and he says the draft is it the draft award or the draft bonus? Oh, the draft for sticking yeah. your neck out, or maybe yeah. you say that. But basically, the best, um, the genie that was. Oh it. yeah, he's got the a genie, genie award. Yeah. yeah, the genie award. So if if whoever come uh, puts the best um, new process into the genie bottle that he has in his office for like, hey, I think we should improve this. 
uh, and they put it on a card. They put fill it out, put it in there. At the end of the week, they look at those, and then they say, okay, go implement it. If it's implemented properly, then they get a bonus for coming up with right. an innovative Good process idea. that makes things right. faster, smoother, better for the company, and they get a bonus for it. And now everyone's trying to work towards that Genie Award, right. and they get to put the Genie bottle on their you know station at work, and so everyone knows they have that. I think those are just innovative ways um, to to show that you're investing your employees and to get them bought into something other than just showing up and clocking in. Um, another one that you can do pretty easily going to development, we can talk about development now, but if you want your employees focused and uh, looking to always improve and develop themselves in their role, you can uh, pay them a bonus if they read a book and they, and they give you a little report. Hey, you've got to talk to me for 10 minutes about this, what you learned, what you, how you think it can be, how you think it can improve our company uh, after you read the book. But if you do that, I'll give you a $100 gift card, mm-hmm. right? And you can buy another book with it. But just little things like that are, are great ways of showing that you care and that you have incentives. Obviously, there's, you know, at a, at a base level, the, state, the table stakes are always going to change. And you're going to have to compete with the marketplace, but as well as your competition. A good example of this is in Oklahoma City, uh, maybe a decade ago, they, uh, all the energy companies, Sandridge, Devon, Chesapeake, uh, one of them start offering half-day Fridays to all their employees. And then the next week, all the energy companies had half-day Fridays. Right. And so there's a table stakes nature to some of these benefits. Like if all of your competitors are offering health insurance, you're going to have to offer health insurance, dental, vision. Maybe it's uh, you know a certain amount of paid time off. Maybe it's um, you pay for gym memberships. Uh, you know, different things like that. But there, there's a table stakes nature to this where you have to at least be at the, the level of what's available around you. Because if your competitor is down the street paying the same amount but has all these other benefits, where do you think the employee is going to go? Right. You know? Um, anyways, that's the table stakes nature. But above and beyond that, you can have a bonus program. But another idea is what if this was, what if you were known as the company that was the launch pad? For people that you had this alumni of people that used to work for you that went on to do bigger and better things start their own company you know be were promoted to this role at a bigger company even promoted it within your company what if you were known for being such a good training and development company that people wanted to come work for you even regardless of some of those benefits you know it's kind of like would i rather go and be the offensive coordinator at the university of texas or would I rather be the quarterback's coach at Alabama? Well, I'm going to be under Nick Saban. I know that I'm <laughs> right. going to be able to be developed quite a right. bit under there. I'd rather go and work at, for Nick Saban, even though my role is technically a little bit lower. I, I have that opportunity to be developed there, and it's going to set me up for my career. What if you were known as the company that did that? You know, I, I don't know. I think these are good questions to ask, and I don't think enough construction companies are thinking about it in those well, terms. Well, a lot of that boils down to the personality of the owner, too. Do you? You really care, and it's mm-hmm. a human uh, human interest that's native. You can acquire that, but some of the people who do that, that's just because that's who they are. Yeah. Well, but, but if, you, if that's not who you are, find someone who's like that, who you can right. hire to manage something like that, a good manager who cares about your people because at the end of the day, you want your business to succeed. You're in for longevity, likely, or you want to be able to sell. If you're going to build something that's worth selling, something that can last a long time, these are things you have to care care about. Um, so, 
I think with developing a training program, I, I think people are like, okay, well, how do I do that? What, what's the steps to that? I don't think either of us develop training programs for a living, but I can tell you what you know, I would do. And we've had an episode on org charts. I think it was one of mm-hmm. our first ones. Mm-hmm. But get your org chart out. Go listen to it if you haven't listened to the episode, but you know, outlining it by function. And then list out all the responsibilities, all the duties, all the tasks that that role is responsible for. And then once you have that bullet point list of all those responsibilities, go and make another bullet point list under each responsibility of, okay, what does that in- entail, right? And then once you have that list of, you know, what it takes to, you know, install the roof or, you know, to, to lay down the shingle, well, then go in and make another bullet list of all the different things that they need to double check. And essentially, then you'll have all of your systems in place, not very detailed, but just a bullet point list. Now start to go and say, okay, how can I create a training program around that? What does that look like? I think we even mentioned this in one of our, in that maybe that systems episode, we talk about that a little bit. But start making a little bit of training around each of your systems. Uh, we talk about this in employee onboarding. That's what it was. Okay. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. the un- employee onboarding checklist. But creating something along those lines will help you to find that you know, young uh, young employee that wants to work hard but doesn't have the experience and you're going to be able to give them the experience rather than just say okay go follow so and so for two years no here's let's we're going to go through this in three months and we're going to quiz you on it we're going to make sure that you're good at it you can accelerate that process so that now your talent pool opens a little bit to where you're not looking just for the guy that's been working in the industry for 10 years but you're looking for the guy that's just hungry ambitious wants to grow is promising uh, there's a lot of people like that that want to make a good living and want to learn something new. So, yeah, and that sounds like an intimidating task, and it is if you sit down on a Saturday and decide you're going to systemize your business. <laughs> uh, that won't work. But if you have a philosophy, yeah, that I think Michael Mills of Touchstone, mm-hmm. whom we both know, whose livelihood is systemizing, it begins a philosophy. The first thing that happens when something comes up, you think. Do I have a system or a process for that? Mm -hmm. And write that down. And I still write that kind of thing down on paper. Yeah, You can write it in notes on your iPhone or however you dictate it, however you want to do it. But you begin to do that. Yeah. And over a period of months, you've itemized the functions of the business, Mm -hmm. things that happen that that function has to perform. And then like you said, you further detail it like um, what are some of the specific duties they have to do as mm-hmm. a welder for, and and you can flesh them out and one of the wonderful things nowadays is a lot of more people are good videographers than writers and when I say good videographers I don't mean that they can make really cool stuff but they can take a video of themselves of, well of somebody doing the process that they yeah. want to do you got to phone, just you gotta, talk about it I mean, the camera that you have on your phone today, that's, that's what I mean. 10 just, years ago, was a right, nice DSLR camera. Yeah, yeah. they just just go out and take a video of somebody doing it. And I tell you the other thing, I've done that for years. <laughs> just you, when you take videos of, of a process you want, you start seeing things that you're doing wrong in the video. <laughs> like uh, I remember we were doing a forklift, how to unload a truck, a steel off a truck, chalk the blocks and all this stuff anyway so the guy gets the load on the forks and he turns around sticks his elbow out the back and he's looking as he backs up the forklift well 
if you've ever had forklift training, like the number one thing is don't stick your damn elbows out of the cage. And there it was. Another one, I had a guy working on a tank um, that was a sanitary deal. It was a water system. Guy's got on a Tyvek suit and all this, and he walks across the camera smoking his cigarette <laughs> and flips it. And so, oh, my God. You know, so yeah. we couldn't use any of the video, but we identified some problems. Well, and I think this brings up a good point of you don't have to do it yourself. Your employees know their responsibilities, The ones, especially the ones that have been there a while. You can sit there and ask them, hey, can you write out a list of everything you do? You know? Yeah. And then, okay, will you write down, like, what that entails? And maybe it's an hour meeting where you guys are doing it together. Yeah. The, and you can start to knock it out bit by bit by bit. Just to give them the idea how many, everybody alive has used YouTube to figure out how to do something. Yeah, for sure. How to install a tour handle or take the safety guard off. I didn't know my, you knew about YouTube, Martin. Well, I use it. I've got a one of those space heaters that heats your patio, you know. Yeah. If it tips over, the gas turns off. Well, spiders get in there so anyway you got to figure out how to wire around that yeah so it's no longer safe but i use youtube for that <laughs> <laughs> there's all kind of, you can make a nuclear bomb i think but no but just think about that and when Our you're doing this you, just got flagged because you said nuclear well bomb. good maybe we'll get some publicity <laughs> maybe we'll get a human rights deal no think about just creating a youtube video but my advice also is leave off all the stupid first minute and a half yeah graphics and well maybe you know just start just, just start say, we're gonna fix this and here's how it works got any questions ask Ralph you know who's actually surprisingly really good at all that is mechanics if you have a mechanic problem with any make model of car and you just search your make and model and what's going on there's dozens of videos by mechanics making like showing you exactly how right. to fix it, how to do it. and I, I have a strong hunch that when you go to your mechanic with a problem that they've never seen before, they're just going to YouTube and yeah. watching another mechanic do it. Well, they, one, one reason that probably is, is for quite a few years, you're paying on a flat rate scale. Uh, yeah. I mean, maybe even 20 years. And it always amazed me because 20 years ago to have that data, uh, mechanic body shop, or yeah. not body shops, but auto shops, the guy would have to buy uh, a database that has every damn thing on every damn car there is. You know what I mean? <laughs> Golly. It's crazy. But they flat rate that thing transmission, mm -hmm. it's two thousand bucks. Yeah. You had mentioned that uh you, you know, you may not be the person that's able to adequately develop your talent and to see you know, to put the training program in place and help people attain their goals and um become known as the the company that develops great leaders, great com great employees, uh great industry uh experts. I think that it brings up a point of one, you, you know, you may not be able to be that person, but developing a culture is a really good, a, a culture of development is a really good differentiator for employees that are looking to go somewhere where if, if they feel like, man, this is company has a really good culture and they care about me and I'm going to grow as a person while I'm here. That's another good way to retain talent where they enjoy coming to work, where they, they enjoy being around their coworkers they feel like they're growing as an individual. And obviously, you know, you've got to be a certain type of person, but you can also hire people for that are good at that, that just innately are a relational person that can be a good manager and help invest that and instill that into your company. Um, I think that it's something that construction companies will have to compete on in the future. 
And I think there are some good companies that do that in construction, but I, I think it's not nearly as much as some of the other jobs that are in the marketplace where, you know, they've got culture decks and they really invest in their employees with, you know, one-on-ones and lunches and, you know, buying them books and courses that they can take and setting them on a career path for what they actually care about and what their ambitions are. Um, it's, it's difficult, but I think that you can do it. Um, and when you, in, when you show that, that empathy, that investment into that person individually, it goes a long way. There's something about uh, frontline workers, uh, you know, like McDonald's and uh, facing the public. If you ask them, if you if you ask the employees what they actually wanted to do with their career, what their ambitions were, what their goals were, because most people's goal isn't to just remain at the McDonald's as a frontline worker. They were, and you actually took steps to help them achieve that. That might those steps literally might be helping them set goals, or writing them a reference letter or a recommendation letter for the university or whatever it is. They were. I think it was like 60 times more likely to stay longer than if you didn't ask them in the frontline role, which is crazy because they're trying to reach a goal, but just because you're trying to help them, they're 60 times more likely to stay longer. And I think it was longer by like years, not just like a couple months, but like two years longer than if you wouldn't have asked them those questions and helped them take steps to reach their goals. Well, Christine Sexter in one of our earlier podcasts talks about that. It, things have changed in the workplace from yeah. authoritative top down. Kind of my point is, really, really good companies 50 years ago were were doing it right. Mm-hmm. I mean, not everybody was, but but so we're talking about attracting and keeping really good people with monetary bonuses and also a relationship, mm-hmm. a cultural environment that they want to stay in, and just connecting that money after a certain level is never, it's, it's like the eighth reason. If, if you're making really good money and, you're, and your boss or your, whoever controls your life at work is an absolute, unpredictable, ridiculous idiot. An asshole. You, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're just, you're gonna leave. Yeah. And the opposite's true as well. Uh, is that the number have, one reason? Is that they leave because well, after a certain level, number one reason is unclear expectations. That's right. Which which subtends from having an idiot boss. But yeah, I mean, I mean that do this, you do that. Come back the next day. Why'd you do that? We told me don't give me that stuff. Why'd you do that? Come on, kid. You know, if you get a little bit of that, you're out of here. Yeah. Especially in this day and age. Yeah. So for sure. One one thing I want to say without without. Um, I don't want to neglect saying, it might have said it last week too, was we can't forget as the kind of the terminal sale and all this stuff, meaning a contractor dealing with the, with the public, you can't forget to pass the costs on. Even if you're not dealing mm. with the public, you're dealing with other contractors. Yeah. What, what's going on, and I see it, if there was a big article in the Wall Street Journal about it Monday, is the costs are increasing from China to the shipping, to the ports, to the wholesaler, to the retailer. Mm-hmm. Everybody's passing on. You're finding out that your materials cost 25% more on the invoice when they delivered it. <laughs> now, you should have known before that, but that's happening. Yeah. Well, you can't absorb all that. You can't be nope. the buffer that absorbs that. You have to pass it on. And um, people, I think, are increasingly doing that but I've had a lot of clients who have not been doing that for a year they're just taking it 
and the reason they're scaring every and they're right if they have competitors who yeah. are idiots and want to go broke okay yeah. uh, always a matter of being as efficient as you can but you have to pass that cost on and you have mm -hmm. to have the courage to do that well and the same thing if you're going to be able to do these training programs and you're well, going to be able right. to get, do the bonuses yeah, no, I, mean, I didn't specifically say that but you're right but i'm also talking about the increase yeah. in wages i mean anecdotally here wages probably up uh 30 percent mm -hmm. among my clients which is significant it's huge w when's the last time their wages went up that high that fast i mean never I <laughs> yeah they've trended uh, this is the biggest jump that i think we've ever seen yeah and you're gonna have to pass that on yeah and people are people are resisting it but everybody's breaking down everybody's i have i just read before we started today a, a response for a cdl truck driver for one of my clients and they'd been paying 18 they were offering 20 25 guy came in and goes i'll take 25 but you got to give me a three thousand dollar signing bonus and he said by the way it's going to be a few weeks before my information from another state puts me in here it you know makes me legal in oklahoma so i'm gonna and actually the guy wasn't a jerk about it but i'm saying you never would have seen that no yeah you know, i want to i want the top pay which is at least 30 well 18 to 25 so whatever that is that's that's almost 50 percent yeah 40 percent increase and a three thousand dollar bonus and i i want you to find something else i can do for a few weeks while all this information gets yeah you know wowza wowza, wowza i don't right. blame the guy for doing it either i mean well Obviously, there's a lot of challenges that we're going to continue to hear about from other people, but we want to hear challenges from listeners. Um, I know that we, we've gotten a couple of emails recently, so that's nice to know, and we'll be covering some of those topics soon. But if you have a challenge that you're going through, something that you want to learn more about, something, a question you have, send it to us, info at thecashflowcontractor.com. You can just look in the show notes of any of these episodes on YouTube, on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts. Uh, you can find us on LinkedIn as well and Instagram and Facebook. Uh, but go find us. Let us know a challenge. We'd love to hear and, and even talk about it uh, with you specifically. So, yeah. Anything else, Martin, you got? It's good. All right. Well, thanks. I'm going to go get some coffee. Yeah. <laughs> All right. See you soon. Thanks for listening to The Cashflow Contractor. Check out our website in the show notes or visit thecashflowcontractor.com.